Hello, and welcome to Wealthspire Advisors Beer Markets Podcast. It's December 21st. I'm Bobby Moyer, and I'm joined with my colleague, Sandy Wiggins. Good to be here, Bobby. Hey, Sandy. How are you today? Pretty good, pretty good. Santa Claus is is uh, around the corner, and it's it's a happy holidays. Yeah, it's that time of year. We're we're real close. Um, it's a fun time of year. I know I've got a, a young child, somewhat young, and uh, it should be a, a fun time for sure. Yep, young or old, it's it's a good time of year. It's the eating season too. I like to eat, and so we'll talk uh, talk more about uh, beer than food. But you know, food's not far from my uh, thoughts this time of year either. Oh yeah, we know. I'm, have any good cookies lately? N- no, I haven't had a cookie or any sweets today. But the day is young. Yes, I'm sure there'll be plenty of hours left. Yep. Well, good. Well, I'm going to crack open a beer. That's the holiday season, as they say. And I'm going to pull mine from Center Center of the Universe here, a, a relatively local beer. Um, it's called Snow Cones Double IPA. I'm going to admit that I, I went to get a stout, um, you know, one of the, the stouts this time of year I, I tend to enjoy. And I really wasn't, I guess, paying attention to what I was doing and ended up getting, you know, a, a double IPA. Um, but it's a pretty good it's a pretty good double IPA. It's not as um, you know bold and hoppy as I would have expected for a double, but I think it's it's really it's, it's a tasty one. Of course, I'm not endorsing anything, but um, it's a good one. Snow cones double IPA from Center of the Universe uh, here in Ashland, Virginia. That sounds tasty. I have a bottle today, not a can, uh, of Christmas ale from Bell's. It's a, a Scotch ale. It's rich, malty. It's got some notes of caramel, um, a bit sweet, and uh, one of my favorites. So let's 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 have a have a drink and let's talk about the markets. Yeah, great. Cheers, and let's cheers these markets here lately, Sandy. What a eight weeks it's been. You know, we've we talked last time in November. We were in the middle of a little bit of a rally, um, and that really just has continued. If we look at, you know, we're here on twelve twenty one on Thursday. Uh, market's not closed yet, uh, but if we look at, you know, the last eight weeks as of yesterday from from the October thirty lows. Um, or I guess the 29th lows um, to October 30. The S&P 500 is up 14.5%, which is a pretty strong return in eight weeks. But I think if you look at, you know, some of the other uh, parts of the market, we talked over and over about how this market has been led by mega cap tech and the Magnificent Seven is what has done, you know, the best. But, you know, really we saw the small cap, the S&P 600 is up 21% over that eight weeks, mid cap up 18 the S&P equal weight, which takes, you know, takes out kind of that market cap um, conundrum we've been talking about, that's up um, 16 percent. So outperforming the S&P 500, the Nasdaq is still up 17. And if you go and look at the the aggregate bond index, that's up 7.8 percent. So even bonds have rallied very strong. And I guess that's that story together, right? Rates come down, markets go up, and it's the counter of what we saw last year where they were correlated the other way. Rates went up, bond prices went down, stock prices followed. What are your thoughts on that, Sandy? Yeah, it's it's the the market's a lot broader, which is healthy, and I think we're we're closing out the year. I think in a better spot than than we were 12 months ago for sure. Yeah, I think it's even better. You know, at one point this year we were up 20, you know, maybe 18 percent of the S&P, but everything else wasn't wasn't keeping up. The equal weight was flat. 
you know, it wasn't the breath wasn't there. And I think seeing a little bit more breath is extremely positive and, and exciting, you know, and just to give some se- sector color, the real estate, you know, everybody was writing off real estate. Real estate's up 22 and a half percent since that October 30th date. Consumer discretionary, 19 and a half and financials um, up 18. Uh, so that's really good. Energy only up 0.3, basically flat over that period. And staples only up six. Um, so a lot of under outperformance, you know, coming from real estate, discretionary and financials. And then the laggards, energy um, and staples are the top laggards. And, you know, Bobby, obviously the Fed was a big part of, of why the market rallied. Uh, I'm sure we'll we'll talk a little bit about that. But, you know, the underlying economy is strong, too. So let, let's touch on those two things. Uh, what, are you, what are your highlights, do you think, are, are really driving the market over the last eight weeks or so? Yeah, I think, you know, it's realization that maybe the inflation fight is over. Um, you know, they've, the Fed's got it under control. You know, how much the Fed has impacted, I'm not entirely sure, other than just time to, for some of these supply chains to ease a little bit. But we, we definitely saw some, you know, slowness in the housing sector and, and some other borrowing because of such high interest rates. But, you know, you go back to last week, and a lot of this rally was before last week, but we did see, you know, a strong rally last week um, off the Fed meeting. Uh, it's not that there was any surprise from a rate movement. It was really the surprise that, you know, the dot plot is what it's called, uh, the summary of economic projections, I believe is the official term. You know, they indicated that they were going to begin cutting rates, you know, next year. And I guess looking at the the, the dot plot, you you could say, you know, that the Fed was out there, you know, forecasting three rate cuts uh, for 2024. And this is a little bit of a, a change potentially of what's going on. Um, so I think the fact that the Fed... Not that they're out saying that they're going to cut rates, but that their their projections say that rates could be a little bit lower um, over the next year. So I think that from the Fed, you know, more of a, a much dover, dovish um, press conference from Powell. And, you know, since then, though, you know, Powell gave the press conference of cuts, you know, kind of leading the market that way. But then since then, a lot of Fed officials have come out. And they're trying to to walk back, you know, that, hey, we, we might do another hike here. You know, they, and I think part of that is they've got to, you know, put a little bit out there that they don't want the market to get ahead of itself. And, you know, I think the market is even already getting ahead of itself. Yeah. You know, you indicated rate cuts in the dot plot. I was I was a bit surprised by their transparency on that. I, I guess it's good that it's in the market and it's part of our discussions they were indicating the dot plot uh, three quarters of a percent the market's forecasting one one and a quarter maybe one and a half uh, rate cuts next year one and a half percent in rate cuts next year there's a disconnect between the dot plots and what the market's forecasting so I, b- I believe we'll see some volatility around uh, around that disconnection what do you think yeah, no, I mean, that's that's the market, though, right? The market's, I guess, wishful thinking. Um, and, you know, on one hand, Sandy, you said that you were surprised to see that come out of the Fed. Um, but I think they also ha- want to try to hold themselves. I don't want to use the word accountable, but if if everybody else believes they're going to be cutting because inflation's under control and they're out there completely go on the other side, then they're going to be completely wrong, potentially, and look bad. So 
I think part of that is trying to save face a little bit, acknowledging of where inflation is and the fact that rates are much higher than where inflation is, and they've got to come down to some degree. But, you know, I think this is always, not always, but earlier this year was the case. You know, the the market was predicting, you know, rate cuts the second half of this year, the fourth quarter of this year. And we kept saying, we don't see it. The Fed's just not saying they're going to do that. And, you know, look what happened anyway. The the market was wrong. The forecast was wrong from the the, the Wall Street uh, watchers. But the market's doing okay anyway. So um, you got to be careful always assuming that. But you just can't assume either the market is forecasting something that I don't think is going to happen. And then all of a sudden, I think the markets can't go up in light of that. So, yeah, definitely something to be to continue to watch. But we saw it this year and the market was just fine with it. Yeah, and touching on on interest rates and rate hikes, it takes 18 to 24 months for those to filter through the economy. And on the economic front, things look pretty rosy. But I think there's still a chance that the tightening that the Fed has done uh, hasn't fully inter- you know worked its way through the economy. We might see uh, continue to see some patchy results uh, in data on the on the uh, economy over the next few quarters. But I don't I don't think I think, you know, it's widely viewed now that the recession, if at all, is going to be very, very mild and and likely not at all. Yeah, you know, that's 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 the trillion dollar question, I guess. I mean, it it is. And I think if you are a bear coming into this year and, you know, that's what you're leaning on, um, that, you know, rate cuts, you know, are, are now starting to come into effect. You're going to see the economy slow. The recession's going to be there. Earnings are going to fall. The market no way could be where it is. This is ridiculous. A 20 percent market, you know, and that's what if you missed it, that's probably what you're saying right now, because, you know, humans have egos and, and that's what happens. Um, and on the other side, I guess if you're bullish, you know, you could you could withstand some of this uh, that we're not going to have. We're going to have a, a no landing or a, a soft landing, you know, is, is what's out there. So I still think it's open that we could have a, a mild recession. And it's always concerning to say mild recession just because, you know, mild recessions, all recessions start mild. Right. And then they end up being worse. Maybe COVID didn't. But, you know, it, it starts somewhere and then it, it's a ripple effect. So. Um, but it does. The economy does continue to look strong. The employment picture, the unemployment rate, you know, that we got um, in December for November showed it actually ticked lower, you know, down from what, three, nine to three, seven or something like that from an unemployment rate. So there's still, you know, you're still seeing a little bit of weakness in other numbers, the JOLTS data, uh, the job opportunity labor turnover survey. Um, so I think it's a mixed bag on labor. But I, I think overall, the environment um, continues to look strong coming off a, a very strong GDP read in the third quarter. You know, some of that might have been the CHIPS Act and um, the, the IRA Act. Um, so, you know, there there's some things out there that still show that the economy is is hanging in there just fine. Um, but, you know, we'll see next year. I, I still think a recession's on the table. Uh, but if the Fed is able to cut rates, you know, with a slowing economy, if that is the case, then, you know, that might be able to stimulate uh, the markets a little bit um, and, and get people, you know, out there purchasing. But as long as the unemployment rate is low and, and people have the opportunity to work, you know, I think it continues to be really hard to have a recession. And talking about work and spending and employment, the CNBC All-America Economic Survey had some results on holiday spending and 
it's it's jumped significantly, 31% uh, over last year's results, uh, where each person's spending rocketed up to $1,300 this year. The other thing that's interesting about that is that among the uh, people surveyed, 32% uh, indicated that they're going to be spending, you know, more money um, moving forward. And, and the reason being is that they're making more. So employment's strong, salaries and wages are strong. That's going to lead to uh, spending, and that's great for the economy, but it also might have a, a unintended side to that, uh, which is inflation, right? More people have money, they're willing to spend, that pushes prices higher. So I think all in all, this survey results indicate strong consumer spending and an economy that's going to hang in there, hopefully avoid a recession. But like you said, it's still on the table for sure. Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, don't forget, and I think a lot of investors and just, you know, Main Street um, shoppers, um, I have this conversation with my wife all the time, you know, nobody ever said inflation, you know, inflation and deflation are two different things, right? When you have um, inflation, we're not going to see, you know, nobody's saying that prices, deflation is the prices coming back to where they were a year ago. We're not going to see that. So when you go to the grocery store and you, you say, well, my bills are still high. Yeah. And they're going to be high. Right. So I think when you look at wages, you know, wages are up and, but they've settled, you know, they're, they're settling down from a growth standpoint. If wages could grow in line with economic growth or can grow in line with inflation, that's not as inflationary because you're not really having any more disposable income. You're just keeping up with, you know, the cost of, of a 2% increase, which is the Fed's target. So I don't think the Fed wants to have deflation out there where they see prices, you know, revert back to where they were 12 months ago or 18 months ago. It's, you know, where they are today and, gr and still growing at 2%. Um, and, and that's hard because, you know, it, it takes some time to get accustomed to these these higher costs over the last several years. And I hear all the time, whether it be clients or, or friends, talk about my groceries bill is still is still high. Well, it's I think it's going to still be high because we set a new baseline, you know, if that makes any sense. And, you know, so the fact that if we could get wages to continue to grow, but do it at a much more controlled pace, not, you know, overly above where inflation is and economic growth is and those sorts of things where you have too much money chasing too little goods. I think that's still a positive for the environment. And, you know, I believe Tom Lee in his 2024, you know, from Fundstrat um, review, he, he mentioned that that could be a positive that we do still have, you know, actually positive real wage growth. So wages growing above inflation because of economic spending. So, you know, wages is a tough one. Inflation is a tough one to understand because people are so frustrated with higher higher costs. But I think these higher costs are tended to be here to stay. Um, and, you know, by default, then people's wages will continue to be where they are and continue hopefully to grow at, you know, a, a two to three, three percent rate every year. Um, that'll help, you know, the economy continue to grow from a demand standpoint. When, and talking about consumers and, and, and how they they spend their money, let's talk about how they, you know, investors allocate their money. We've got $1.1 trillion in cash still on the sidelines. Um, you talked about all the great returns that we've had in the market, and that's been in the face of still $1.1 trillion sitting sitting out, so to speak. And so we've seen some pretty incredible 
inflows over the last week or two. Let's let's talk about that and let's talk about the dynamic of one point one trillion dollars in cash and what that could mean for uh, potential market returns next year if we see some of that one point one trillion start to move into the market. Yeah, so Sandy, let's take a step back and let's put even, a, I think, a bigger picture on what you're talking about because I think it's important. And that is, you know, and this again comes from Fundstrat, you know, we've seen the S&P go up by 20%, more than 20% um, since the uh, October of 2022, right? That's kind of the bottom of this this recent cycle. And you've seen $240 billion flow out of equity mutual funds and ETFs. So, to your point, people are pulling money to a degree out of um, equity investments, and you've saw 107 billion over that period go into bonds, but you've seen 1.1 trillion. Um, well, I guess not 1.1 trillion go into, or maybe 1.1 trillion go into institutional and retail money market funds. So, to your point, the market's up. 20 plus percent, but investors, because they're scared of all the things that we're talking about, are moving their money into bonds and uh, money markets. And the answer is, oh, money markets are paying me five, five percent, five and a half percent. That That's great. They were. Well, yeah. And, and still are. Um, I think um, I think I just looked, you know, recently it's five percent. Bonds are still paying you five, five percent, you know, somewhere in there, six percent. But, well, if you stayed in equities, you'd be up 20 you know, so 5% is good. Inflation's running at four. So you get a net one on a, on a 5% return while equities are up 20. At some point, that's not a good deal for, for investors, although it makes them feel good. Now, if you don't know what you're going to do with the money, if you, if you have an upcoming expense, if you are, you know, a saver to some degree and you have an emergency fund, it's great to get 5% on your money. But as a long-term investment strategy, you know, money market rates are, are likely only going to go down. You know, everybody wants the Fed to cut rates, so lending gets cheaper. Well, guess what else it does? It also takes, you know, your money market fund and cuts that in half or, or makes that go down a little bit lower. So I think it's, um, you know, very um, – it's an interesting environment that we're in that, that everybody's excited about 5% money markets, but you could be missing out on 10, 15, 20% returns in the market. But to your point, what happens when these people say, oh, man, I'm missing it now? They they realize what we're talking about, that they could have had more, and that money reverts. If you were to see some of that money you know, flow out of money market funds and into the market, what a boom that could be for higher returns you know, across the board in, in the equity markets. Um, but it just takes – you know, a lot of times it's – what do they call it? Is it elevator up? Uh, I guess that's the Fed, elevator up, stair, um, escalator down or stairs down. You know, you're quick to raise, slow to cut. And I think that's similar. People were slow to get their money into money market, and then it started flowing in. Are they going to be slow to pull it out of money market and put it into equities, or you know, are they going to keep it in money market for a little bit longer just because they're slow? And now they're sitting there saying, oh, the market's rallied too much now. I can't take it out of here because we're about to have a crash. Um, so it's a tough tough environment for any of those investors who, who were to take money out of equities and put it in money market. Well, I know we're going to talk a little bit about the reasons to be bullish for 24 and maybe a few things yet that we haven't touched on, touched on to be mindful of. Um, but this whole concept of $1.1 trillion in, in cash and when to move it in the market, I just want to draw uh, attention to something that we continue to, to 
include in our commentary, and that is having the right allocation and sticking with it helps avoid that knee-jerk reaction and the need to move money around. Uh, if you've got a right, if you've got the right allocation given your financial picture, you can stick with it in good times and bad, and not have to worry about where do I need to be adjusting my allocation. Um, so enough about that. Let's talk about. Oh, Sandy, more one things. more thing on, on oh, yep. flows here, real quick. You know, I just yep. thought it was an interesting fact. You know, we talked about all the flows out of equities and into bonds. But now we're, we said here we're here 1221 December 21st last week, though, you know, last Friday, the SPY ETF, a very popular S&P 500 ETF saw, uh, you know, I think what it was called as its largest inflow in one day into that fund ever uh, last Friday, the 15th uh, of 20 billion dollars. And for the week, um, I read that it was 24 billion total coming in, which was also considered a record in its 30 year history. So, you know, is that part of that, that movement? You know, it's obviously a lot more. If 240 came out and 1.1 trillion went into money market, there's more to come. But seeing that huge flow last Friday and, and for last week, you know, if, if you were to see that continue, you know, maybe it's short term bearish, you know, that capitulation where you see people throwing, you know, chasing returns now. Um, and, and we saw probably what the worst day yesterday, Wednesday in a while. I think all the major indexes were down, you know, over one percent. But um, so maybe you get some of that capitulation with the buyers. But we're also here in December and it's been a great year. You know, you're two weeks away and, and maybe what are you, five trading days away from the end of the year? You know, it just tends not to make a lot of sense to sell your winners here, sell your gains here in a taxable account. Because if you sell today and you you realize a gain, you got to pay that tax in April, right? Or by April. Um, so, you know, if you, you hold off another five, six days, you sell it the first week in January, that leads to paying it, you know, 14 months from now, you could deal with that and see what happens. So, you know, this time of year seasonally, especially I think coming into such a strong environment of, of strong returns, you know, you really don't want to be realizing your gains here um, to pay a tax on. Now, obviously IRAs are different, but uh, so I think seasonality, you know, you could continue to see, you know, we hold up to where we are, maybe not a whole lot of more buying, but maybe not that selling. Um, so maybe we continue to grind higher into the end of the year. And I think you bring up a good point. It's likely that January will be a little bit more choppy to the downside simply because of reallocating, rebalancing portfolios that are deferred for, you know, into the new tax year. So, uh, We'll have to see how that shakes out, but I agree. I think the next five days ought to be pretty good, um, just to close out a, a pretty remarkable, crazy year we've had. Yeah, one other stat, uh, you know, it was out there, uh, Steven Straza with All-Star Charts, you know, him and JC, they, they're more technical analysts, but they said, you know, kind of what I talked about the last week, it, it showed 47% of the stocks in the S&P 500 registered overbought momentum readings. And that was the most extreme reading we've seen. The, the last time we had such an extreme reading was 43% in June of 2020, so more than three years ago. Um, interestingly, not to scare people, these are just stats, a few days later, the S&P fell 5%, 5.9% in one session. And everybody got scared. You know, yesterday we were only down, what, 1, 1 1.2. Um, but then from there, the rally went on for more than 60% over the next year and a half. So the, the point of that is, 
you know, we got to overbought conditions back in 2020, saw a little bit of choppiness, but then the market went another 60%. So it's just more and more, you you said it earlier, you just can't, you you know, get get spooked, you know, you got to have a strategy because the market is humbling. I've been humbled many times by the market. I I do a lot of reading. I I love the markets, but I'll tell you, it's it sure is humbling um, out there and having a strategy um, just to capture these gains over and over again is what you got to do. There's a lot of volatility, a lot of noise, always a lot of concern out there, but you got to stick to the the plan. Perfect. And so we're talking about kind of what's happened for 2023. Let's wrap up by touching on a few things that we're excited about uh, and a few things just to kind of keep an eye on. Yeah, we definitely don't want this to run too long. People get get bored with us, that's for sure. Um, but yeah, 2024, what are the, you know, maybe the reasons to be bullish? I think, you know, you get inflation continues to track lower. You get some of the used cars and the housing data to catch up to the real time data of slowing, um, slowing prices there. A little bit of concern, the inflation side on the Suez Canal or the Red Sea, Suez Canal, um, and the issues over there with, with ships having to, you know, I guess divert around um, Africa, which is adds a lot of cost and time and maybe brings the pirates more into the consideration there. But that's costly and concerning. And, and I think we, we've got to figure that out because that could, you know, cause a lot of these things to reverse pretty quickly. But right now, expectations are inflation is going to continue to drop. Yep. And, and looking at the Fed uh, and their reaction to falling interest rates, we talked a little bit earlier about a reduction in interest rates. That obviously is good for the economy, but it's also great for mortgages, great for housing. So that's a positive. Um, productivity, immigration and labor supply, you know, that's going to continue to be a, 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 a hot topic. Global yeah, growth. Yeah, definitely the first, the first half of the year looks like that could be maybe a little challenging, but maybe we get to either that bullish, right? If they get, if we ease up there, we get some more labor, labor supply, immigration, um, in, you know, will help the jobs market and that, that wage growth you talked about earlier. How do you solve wages from going up too much? You add supply to the, the labor market and, and people will work for less or they'll get laid off, you know, or they won't get hired at those rates. So that's, that could be a, a very, um, additive thing to the S&P. Yep. And then global growth, China, is a is a big question there. Europe has the potential for some rebound in, in either of those two regions uh, having a pickup in their economic activity certainly would be a positive. Yeah, and companies, right, have been um, cautious over the last several years, which is kind of the thing the whole time with recessions, you know, they, they they're oftentimes they're built out of over overproduction, overbuilding, you build the other warehouse. Lately, we haven't had that. Co- you know, companies have been cautious, um, which means they've just been getting by by bare minimum. If at some point um, they begin to pick up and, and, you know, you have that pent up demand and they build that another warehouse and they invest CapEx, capital expenditures and that sort of thing, you know, that that could be very um, additive. And at some point, you know, 2022 was terrible. Twenty three people were cautious. If they start investing um, back into, you know, more inventory, that could really, you know, help the economy and, and the markets. And then that leads to profits and, and an improved P.E. ratio, which then leads to higher multiples and can expand the market. So 
Yeah, you know, PE price to good. earnings, right? Yep. PE multi or price to earnings, and you know if rates come down, the, the PE gets the, the price to earnings goes high, get, is able to be a little bit higher, um, and that would be you know could be a positive. And it's an election year next year, wild card, right? And you know generally, I think you see a, a choppy first half of the year with an election year because you don't have any certainty on tw- on the next following year because you don't know who's going to be in office. But as you get to the second half of the year and really that fourth quarter. You know, that's where you could start pricing in the policy for um, for the next year, the next four years. So, you know, could be a good year, you know, whatever it's worth. You know, the strongest election cycle is when there's a Democratic incumbent in the office um, tends to outperform. So that's this year coming up. Um, you know, the fact that we have a Democrat as a president right now could be, and I think it's of the four year cycle, the sec, this is the second best year of the, the last year. So, um, that, that is setting up to, for positive, um, 2024 as well. Yeah. And a couple of things just to be mindful of one, nothing, uh, scientific behind the statement, but good grief. You look at the nice returns we've had for 23. Can we have it again in 24? Um, the other part oh, of it Sandy, is, on that, on that point, Sandy, yep. that's what the bears are saying, right? Yeah. <laughs> All the bears, everybody was bearish in 23 and was bearish now and looking at the market and they're short. They're sitting here saying it can't happen again. I'm going to stay short. That's a positive. When you get that capitulation of those, everybody turning bullish, that's the time to run for the hill. So hopefully there remains, you know, some bears out there. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing the market continue to go up. I, I kind of like when it goes up. Yeah. Yeah. I think everybody does. And then, you know, we talked about the impact of rate increases and how it takes 12, 24 months for it to work through the economy. We still don't know the potential total impact of those rate increases. So I think we'll need to keep an eye on that uh, through the next 12 months. But all in all, I certainly think there's there's more um, optimism than there is pessimism, at least from our, our lens. Don't you agree? Yeah, you know, count, you know, play the contrarian on that. I, I like when the, you know, the bear bull surveys and all are, are contrarian, are negative because that's a contrarian bullish. They're starting to flip a little bit. That always makes me nervous in the short term. Maybe not between now and the end of the year, um, but but maybe into January. You mentioned that earlier, coming off such a a strong year. Maybe January is a little bit choppy. Um, maybe not, because that's also when bonuses are, are paid out for some people and, you know, Wall Street execs and that money flows in. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I think people are feeling a little bit better. And as long as the consumer con- continues to be better, I, I want to continue to see some bears out there, though. It, it's much better when it's an even bull bear situation. I, I tend to be more bullish. So I hope the bears continue to you know, stay cautious in this environment um, and and double down even maybe. Uh, so I think that'll be good for the markets. Well, good. Well, I, I think we've covered a lot and I'll just conclude by saying it's been a a great, a great year and we appreciate the opportunity to serve the clients that trust us and um, we'll, uh, we'll reconvene in 2024. Yeah, Sandy, happy holidays to you and your family and a happy new year and prosperous and looking forward to another great 24. 